chapter 28. I want to talk this morning about the value or the worth of the gospel. Amen? The value or the worth of the gospel. Now stop for a second and take a listen real quick. Y'all hear anything? What do you hear? You don't hear, you don't hear air conditionings. That's a good thing. Just want to make sure you knew that. I mean, it's not hot enough to get those ACs turned on. Praise God. That just makes me happy. Sorry, I just had to mention that. Although it is a little stuffy. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing was as white as snow. And as the guards shook for fear of him, he became like a dead man. But the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, Come see the place where the Lord lay and go. And I want you to underline that word, go. Quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' words. And as they they went to tell his disciples, behold, watch this, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. And here's the word again. I want you to underline it again. Go. And tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Amen? So twice we see already the word go. It was mentioned this week, and Pastor mentioned as well, we cannot forget, church, that the go is the two first letters of the gospel. We've got to go. You can't spread the gospel if you don't go. The gospel will not touch lives if we don't take it. Amen? If we don't go, if we don't walk, if we don't preach, if we don't share our testimony with other people. Amen? And how many know that sometimes there's a reason why we don't do what we're supposed to do? Has anybody ever, ever figured that out, that there's a reason why we don't do what we're supposed to do? Does anybody realize that? We know what we're supposed to do, something stops us from doing it. How many have ever known what you're supposed to do and didn't do it? Let me see some honest hands. And the, the key is that we find out why. Why am I not doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing? And the reason is sometimes is we don't, watch this, value the gospel enough. The gospel doesn't mean enough to us. See, today we can be in church. You can be here this morning. You can be saved for a month or 50 years. And you can have a lack of value for the gospel. You cannot understand how important the gospel is. You you can have a lack of understanding and belief of what the gospel means to you personally. How many know when something means something to you, you're going to go tell people about it? Amen? I guarantee you, if you want a million dollars today... If someone gave you a million dollars, there would not be one friend that you did not know that did not, would not know you won a million dollars. You'd be spreading the word like crazy. If somebody bought you a house, you'd be spreading the word like crazy. If someone came and gave you the keys to a car, you'd be spreading the word like crazy. Oh, am I telling the truth or not? How many know that we have something greater than any car, any house, or any money can buy this morning? We have the gospel, the life-changing word of God that can touch lives. Amen? And so we need to value that, and we need to say, I need to get this someplace. I've got to share this word. Now, I want to show you something real important this morning. I want, to write this, I want you to write this down, and I'm going to say it again in a second. And I want you to ask this question. Why is it that people value a lie 
more than people value truth. Write that down. Why is it that people value more a lie than they value the truth? If you think about it today, there are people pushing drugs. There are people pushing uh, products. There are people pushing religions. There are, there are people in this world today that are preaching the gospel of their religion better than the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. They're out there knocking on the doors. They're out there doing their thing. They're out there pushing their, sometimes it's violent. They're out there pushing what they believe, and they don't, they don't have the truth. They're, they're pushing a lie, yet we have the truth. And many times as Christians, we stand and hold it to ourselves like the old story where it says, don't hide your light under a bushel. Amen. And we're holding on to it. And we don't understand that what we have is the cure. You know, we got this Ebola thing going on right now. Amen. Just as a recent thing, we talk about AIDS. It could be whatever name doesn't matter what it is. It could be a snake bite or whatever sickness it is. We have the cure for the sin in our lives this morning. We have the cure for the sin of the world this morning. And we're not out doing enough with it. Can you say amen? Come on. Woe is me or amen. We're going to get to where the woe is me is gone. Amen. And we're going to, we've always preached this, but we've got to take it more serious now than ever before because time is short and we've got to get this gospel message out. All those who were at conference know that although it was called the machinery of the gospel, the whole entire week was a push to, to win souls. The whole entire week was us understanding we have got to share what we have with other people. Amen. Uh, Andy, can you turn that off or come put it on me? One of the two. Thank you, buddy. It's making me jealous that I can hear it over there, but it's not hitting me. Amen. Look at verse 11. Say amen if you're there. Now, while they were what? Sitting at church. While they were watching a movie. While they were praying. What does it say? Going. While they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. Some of you today would say, well, I don't know what to tell anybody. I, has God ever done anything for you? Amen. Has God done anything for you? The, the, you don't have to have some, some book written about the story of your life. If God did something for you, you tell that to people. You say, Jesus changed my life. Amen. I am not the same person I used to be. You share that with somebody. But here's the problem. If we don't value the gospel, we're not going to make it important to us. Amen. We can, you can be in church your entire life and not value the gospel the correct way. Amen. And so we see here, he says, they go and they went and they share what happened. And so while they were doing all this, at the same time that the gospel is being revealed, the death and the resurrection of the king, there is some other people going as well. While the truth is being revealed in the gospel that Jesus saves, there's some other people who are going as well and they're going to tell a lie. The gospel is a confrontation of souls. The gospel is a, a collision of the darkness of this world and the light of this world. The gospel is a collision of truth and a lie. Can you say amen? And everything we do, that example of, of, of the prayer request and the sickness and it coming back, does that mean God did not heal Samantha the first time? No, it means the devil does not let go easily of the things that he has on, a hand on. He's not going to let souls go easy. He's not going to let your marriage work easily. 
He's not going to let that promotion at at work come easily. He's not going to let you do a business that will fund the kingdom of God easily. He's not going to let you share the gospel with other people easily. He is going to fight hand, tooth, and nail. And sometimes, even when we've seen the victory and we've had an answer from God and we've given him glory, he's going to come and say, oh, let's see if they still really believe that. Come on. And then we see God moving. So at the same time God's moving, the enemy's moving. Whenever God is moving, the devil's moving as well. He's not going to sit. You know, how many want revival? Come on, we've been talking about it forever. How many want to see this place packed out with sinners getting saved? How many want to see the signs and wonders that they said in the Bible? How many got some friends and some family members that need to know Jesus this morning? And you want them to be sitting next to you, amen? If we're going to see that happen, we've got to understand the devil's not going to go say, okay, go ahead, Victory World Outreach, do your thing. I'll give you Denton. He's not going to give us Denton. The devil's not going to give up an inch. We have to take it. And at the same time the gospel's being preached, the lie is going right alongside of it. Amen. And so we see right here, watch this, in verse 12, when they had assembled, who? The soldiers, the chief priests, all the people that, were cru- that crucified Jesus, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave, I want you to underline this, they gave a large sum of money to the disciples. To who? To the soldiers. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. How many know that a large sum is a large sum? Right? Anywhere I've ever gone, a lot means a lot. Large means large. Okay? So a large sum of money means that they were willing to pay a lot of money to cover up the truth. Now stop there for a second. Somebody needs to pay attention to this. Amen? Even if you were at conference and you heard this message already, God's going to give you something different this morning. A large sum of money. How many know that money, now this is not just, this isn't a money message, don't worry. But how many know money is very important to our lives? If you can find a way to get through life without money, I would love to talk to you. You need to patent that situation and you need to make a lot of money off the fact that you don't need money. Okay? You can. You can make a lot of money off that. But we all need money. And I'll tell you what thing, the one thing that needs the money more than anything is the gospel. It takes money to, to fund the gospel. It takes money to do God's work. Amen? And so they, they gave a large sum of money. They, they, this is why I said that. Why is it that people value a lie more than they value truth? These soldiers were willing to pay money so that the truth of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, would not go forth. They were willing to pay not just a little bit of money, but a large sum of money. How many know that if we're spending money, large sums of money on anything, more than we're spending on the gospel, our heart's in the wrong place. Come on, that was a good place to say amen. That's true. How can we, out, how can we let the sinners outspend us? How can we let the sinners spend more money on a lie then we spend on the truth. Here's why we do it sometimes, because we don't value what we have. How many know it's not good to lose something and then realize you lost something that you really had? How many know there's an old saying, you don't know what you have, tell you what? Till you've lost it. I don't want to be that person that loses something and then realizes, man, that gospel was something else. I know this morning that the gospel means something to me. I know this morning that I wouldn't be here without the gospel. I wouldn't be alive without the gospel. Amen? This isn't just some religious thing we're doing. This is life-changing words. 
And it was so real that these people had to cover it up with a lie. So he says in 13, saying to them, tell, him, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you, make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Amen? This is a true story. How many believe with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? That he is not in that tomb? That you're not going to find his bones anywhere? That he's alive? That he is on the right hand of the Father interceding for us right now? That he can come at any moment to take his church home? How many believe that? Amen. That's the gospel truth. Yet since that day and since way before, until, until time ends, people are going to be covering up the, the, the truth with a lie. Right. Because the Bible says the devil is the father of all lies. So I ask you this morning, if, as you walk out of here, this question needs to be in your mind. Do you value the gospel? Or what is? Let me put it this way. What is the value of the gospel to you? How many know when something is valuable, you put a price on it? Okay? If you live in a house this morning which I hope you do, praise God. If you don't, we'll pray for one, amen. If you drove a car here, whatever you have that is an asset in your life has a value on it. If you want to go sell a car you have right now, it has a value. And it's the value it has, somebody placed on it. The house you live in, someone will come do an appraisal and they'll say this house is worth this much. So value is very important. But when it comes to our salvation, what is the value of your salvation to you? What does the gospel mean to you? Because we live in a world that puts value on a lot of stuff. Amen? I want you to look quickly back there while I'm doing this for Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock. It's called number 19. Just Google that real quick. Not you here, them back there. This is a chance to look at Facebook. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what value means? The regard that something is held to deserve. The regard that something is held to deserve. Another one is the importance. Value means the importance. Another one is the worth or the usefulness of something. How many know the gospel is useful? How many know we don't put enough use into it? How many know that the gospel today is a power that is so powerful that we don't use it enough? It's like an engine that's not being revved up enough, amen? It is a life-changing source this morning. Now, I want, I want to give you a couple of examples this morning. Uh, the gospel has a value, watch this, the gospel has a value, and it really is priceless, but it's only priceless if we tell others about it. It's only priceless if we share it. The gospel means nothing if we don't tell people about it. If we hold it to ourselves, it doesn't mean anything. And so as we share the gospel and we tell, some of you might be saying, what's the gospel? It's, I just told you, it's super simple. The world will make it difficult. Even the church world will make it difficult. The gospel is that Jesus saves. Amen. Let me break it down real simple. I don't even need to go into anything else. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. If you can get that in your mind, Jesus saves. Amen. You, you, you don't need to tell them the theological doctrine, background, uh, all, take them all the way through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all great. But you need to say Jesus saves. 
And then start with that. Amen. The gospel is Jesus saves. So we have today the birth, the death, and the resurrection. If you want it to be broken down a little bit more, a little more general and easy to understand. The birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. The good news. The good news. How many know it's good news this morning? It's still good news. No matter what you're going through this morning, no matter what you're struggling with, it's still good news. And guess what? It's better news than any bad news you've got. Let me say that again. It's better news than any bad news you've got. The good news is good news always. And it's even better when we use it. So why is it that people value a lie more than people who have the truth? How many know paintings? I want to give an example of a painting. Paintings... Anybody like art in here? Let me see your hands. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm just kidding. I just sometimes don't understand it. It's great to look at it. But how many know some of the things that are called art just aren't that nice looking? Would you agree with me? Look at that. That's art. Yeah. And you can't see it very good. But it, I, on my computer where you can see it in a little bit more color, I don't know why it looks so black and white, but it doesn't matter. It looks like someone spilt paint. I could walk around this church in a few, a few areas where there's Pringled paint everywhere and say, this is art. Put it in a box, put it on a frame, and, and sell it. That's art. This is called John, Jack, Jackson Pollock's number 19. Anybody ever heard of that painting before? So why would this painting be valuable? Even if it was pretty. Why would it be valuable? Because someone said it is. That's why it's valuable. That's the only reason it's valuable. Not because it's on some amazing piece of paper. Not because it's got some amazing paint. But because some amazing painter painted it. Who made that painter valuable? Somebody. Someone said that paint, 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 painting is amazing. Someone said that painter is amazing. And so that painting right there sold at an auction for $58 million. $58 million. Isn't that retarded? I'm sorry, that's retarded. $58 million. But I want you to understand as we look at this painting and you think about that, people place value on something. Yet we have the gospel and as believers, we sometimes don't place the value on the gospel. Amen. There was another painting that I mentioned at the conference by Picasso that sold for $155 million. And it was this girl that looked like her neck had been broken and split in half. It was ugly. Amen? It, it doesn't make any sense. Marilyn Monroe. How many remember that name? She was some girl that was real popular back in the day. Sold, someone bought a dress of hers for $1.3 million. And it couldn't have been very much fabric. Amen? It could not have been a whole lot there. $1.3 million. How many, I'm not going to ask how many Elvis fans we've got in here, but I'm sure somebody likes Elvis. But one lock of his hair was sold for $115,000 at an auction. Say retarded. Go ahead and say it. That's retarded. That's just dumb. That's crazy. That's ludicrous. Amen? All these things that you can think about that just doesn't even make sense. But the Bible says where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. Now, I'm not taking away from the fact if you like to look at art, that's fine. I'm trying to give you an example of how the world puts a value on something. 
Yet we have the, we have the gospel this morning that will change lives. That painting is never going to help anybody. That painting's never going to change a life. That painting's never going to heal a broken body. That painting's never going to restore marriage. That painting's never going to give somebody hope at the end of a day. Yet we've got the gospel this morning that can change lives, give hope, heal bodies, save people from eternity and hell. And we need to put a value on it that means something. Can you say amen? Where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be. Or where a man's heart is, there will his treasure be also. So getting into your living room this morning for a second, making this personal for a second for you and me, we need to ask ourselves how much we value the gospel. How many know this is an individual question? Every single one of us have things that are important to us. And this is where God said in his word that he's a jealous God. He doesn't share his glory with anybody. And he says basically, look, I don't mind if you have a hobby. I don't mind if you love things. I don't mind if you enjoy things. I don't mind this and I don't mind that. He just says, I don't want any of those things to be first. That's all he asks. He just says, I want, God, I want, I want to be first in your life. So if you look at these two words, I want to focus on this for a second. Large money. How many know that when you do mention money and large in church, it just automatically turns people off? Right? Large money. Yet the, these, these soldiers... You got together large money. How come it's so crazy for the church to say, you know what, we need large money. We, need, we really need some large money to see the gospel expanded, yet we mentioned, they mentioned large money and it's no big deal. Right? How, how in the world should the, these soldiers that don't have Jesus put out large money, yet we as a church and as individuals sometimes have a hard time putting $5 in the offering? I promise you, if those are a conference, it's not a money message. But this is the heart of what God's saying here on value. I've seen people come in over the years. I've seen people in church. I, I, I remember this one person. They don't go here anymore, so don't worry. Uh, he, he would never, and it is a he, so it's hard to say what they are without saying he or she, amen. But that person would never invest in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we had a yard sale one time here at the church. And this person was whipping out hundreds to buy a computer for his wife, to buy different things that they needed from the church. I mean, he was whipping it out, left and right, but would never put money in the offering for the gospel. That's called selfish. Come on, don't, start, don't shout me down. That's the truth. We're so, we just whip out money for all kinds of stuff. Oh, we want to go to a game? Let's whip it out. Want to go to a concert? Let's whip it out. Money? Movie? Whip it out. Buy, I need a car? Man, y'all getting quiet on me. Come on. We just whip it out all the time. And if we don't have it, we'll find it. If we want to do something, we're going to do it. We're going to get that money together. Amen. We're going to find a way to get it. You know Dallas Cowboys tickets average $270 a piece? Average. Average. $270 a piece. So if you and one other person go to a Dallas Cowboys game, that's almost $600 just for the tickets. Then you've got to pay for parking. That's over $600. Then you got to buy some food. You're going to be seven, seven, eight. God forbid you be a drinker. None of us here, but you drink some beer for 10 bucks a pop. You know, people just whip out money like crazy at a game for a beer. $10. Come on. I'm just hitting home for a second. You'd be at a game and they say, I want a beer. And then they give you a beer and they said 10 bucks. Don't bat an eye. Oh, here, here's 20. Come on. But the offering gets taken up at church and you, you pull out your, your pocket and there's a 20, a 5, a 10, and three ones. And you grab one of the ones. 
and drop it in the offering, and it hurts to put it in there. You're like, let me see if I got some change in here somewhere. Come on. See, all of us have, a, a, there, was a, there was a thing mentioned during the, during the conference that one of the last things to get saved is our wallets. Amen. You know, you can be saved for a long time. There are, there, there are people in here this morning, you can be saved for a long time. And you might even be a tither. But your, your wallet's still not sanctified yet. Because it still hurts. You're not willing to say, God, everything I have is yours. And this gospel means so much to me. I value so much of this gospel. You know, I'm not going to take you this morning to Acts chapter 2. But maybe read it in your time. If you go look at the book of Acts chapter 2, you know what? They valued the gospel. How many have read the book of Acts? How many have read Acts chapter 2? You can look at the latter verses of Acts chapter 2. And, and they began to look in that. You see in the stories there that they would look around and they, they would say, there's a need. And when they saw that there was a need, the Bible says they would go sell their possessions. Their houses, they didn't have cars at that time, but whatever possessions were, they would go sell those things and they would just bring them to the church. You know why they had revival? You know why they had revival? Because they didn't have sticky fingers. They valued the gospel so much that they said, man, if I give this to God, God's going to give it back to me. He knows I need a house. He'll probably give me a better house. If I just let it go, he'll give me something better. And it's just that attitude of saying, I value the gospel so much that whatever God you ask me to give, it's yours. That's the heart that God's looking for. How many times in the Bible did God ask them to do something and it was just a test? And then, for example, Abraham and Isaac, when he went to go kill his son, God said, no, it's just a test. God is testing our hearts all the time. And, and, that, and that's why I say this this morning. I, I didn't mention any of this at, at conference. I, there's some things you can't say at conference you can say in your own church. I have a little more freedom here, amen? And I can say it to our church, and I can say, look, let's not be like that. Let's not be people who are afraid that when, when something, and trust me, we're not going to take up an offering this morning, so don't get scared, amen? <laughs> I'm not leading into anything. But I'm talking about the value of the gospel. I'm asking you what the, what the gospel means to you. I can tell you this morning that if God told me to do anything with anything I own, it's his. Amen. I, 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 I'm not saying it would always be easy, but we shouldn't have the heart this morning that if money comes up or, or a need comes up, not even just money. How about work? How about a work that needs to be done in the church? Amen. We need the church to be clean. We got one couple cleaning the whole church right now. Amen. We could use a couple, three more couples that would join in and do it once a month. Let that simmer for a second. Amen. I thank God for my father-in-law. He's going to understand some of this and some he's not. He's a hard worker. He's having a hard time being here right now not working. He's worked his entire life. He's a hard worker. And you know what? He, one of the things that bothered him the most while we were at conference, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And I thank God that they were able to go. I thank God. I thank God they were able to go. I told him I'm going to tell him later what I'm telling him. So you think I'm talking bad about him. It's bueno. They were able to listen to all the messages, Spanish interpretation. They were, they were, it was just God all week, and I thank God they got to go. It was a God thing that my wife brought them at this time. But he came up to me one time. He said, you know, we got in the van, and we started driving off after service. He said, you know, you know what needs to be preached? People need to pick up their garbage in the bathroom. Because I'm going to the bathroom, and there's trash all over the floor. He said, we're preaching about the gospel, but no one values the bathroom of the house of God. It's the little things. If we value the Lord, amen, we, you wouldn't just drop stuff all over the house at your house, or maybe you would, but you shouldn't. Hopefully you wouldn't walk into someone else's house and just drop a gum wrapper. 
or drum on the ground or, or, or not put your paper towel in the trash can. Come on. I said I was going to get into your living room a little bit. Right? There's things that are so important. It's not just money. If I value the gospel, I value God's house. I value the bathroom. I value the van. I value the chairs. I value everything around this. And this is my home, and it's God's home even more. He, have, he inhabits in this place. And so there's just something that says, you know what, this, this gospel means something to me. And we know that in the gospel, it's always 80% of the people, sorry, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. How many know we can be different? Let's be a different church. Let's be a church that everybody gets involved. Let's be a church that we're fighting over the trash can to take the trash out. We're fighting over, over the visitor cards to see if we can call them. We're fighting over the offering basket. I want to put mine in first. Amen. We're fighting over who can clean the church. Why? Because we value the gospel. Because church, this is a soul winning agency. This is, a, this is a business, but for souls. Can you say amen? Don't take that wrong. This is a business. It's God's business. It's a soul winning business. This is a place where lives are changed. And I think even, I was even stirred this week more to realize, God, what a privilege. What an opportunity we have to have this building and have a place where we can touch lives. We have the greatest value in the whole world in the gospel. And it's free. We can give it freely. But the place that we bring people to, the arena that we bring people into, the place that, you know, if you go to some place to buy a car or to buy a house or to whatever, they're always going to take you. How many, how, let me see real quick if you bought a house. Or bought a car. One of those two things. Bought a house, bought a car. If you, ever, if you went to an agency to buy a car or if you bought a house from a bank, when you signed the papers, they took you to a nice little office, didn't they? They probably brought you some coffee. They had, that room was really smelling good. It was clean. They probably took you to the nicest place in the whole area of the whole place because they were making a deal. And they wanted that deal as they take your heart out Amen. To be a pleasurable experience. Right? And you sign those papers and you begin to sign your name over and over and over and over and over 50,000 times as you give your life to them. Amen. For a house or a car or whatever. But I'm saying that because this is the place. The gospel's free. But this is the place we bring people in to do a deal with them. To say, hey, God, Jesus loves you. And we want it to be a place that's welcoming. We want it to be a place that people feel comfortable. We want it to be a place that people say, man, these people that are telling me about Jesus, they value the gospel. They really, it means something to them. It's not just at the, at the workplace or at the store, but this means something. And if anybody uh, was at conference, they know I haven't preached hardly anything of my message yet. The Lord's leading me in a different direction. Amen? For us, for VWO Denton. Can you say amen? Large money. Large money. They invested to, because they saw, watch this, they saw it valuable because their reputation and their influence, their reputation and their influence was threatened. That's why they gave large money that the, God, that, the lot, that the truth would be covered up. Because their reputation meant a lot. They didn't want to be that person that said, hey, you're the one that crucified Jesus? Oh, you're the one that killed him? Well, he's not dead. They didn't want their reputation to be messed up. So they were willing to give large, large amounts of money. So... I'm still in your living room. Is that okay or do I need to leave? Okay, I'll leave if you need me to. Just let the door hit me as I go on the way out. Amen? If you'll let me stay for a couple more minutes, I want to just sit at the couch with you for a minute. 
We invest in our lives in many things. Okay? Some people, now listen, I promise you I have nobody in my mind, and I preach this at conference, I had nobody in my mind then. Some people spend more money on their animals than they do on God. I'm not picking on animals, it's just a good example. People spend billions of dollars a year, not us, thank God, were saved on alcohol. Billions. I think it was mentioned at conference about pornography. It's the largest enterprise in the world. More money spent on pornography than Google, Amazon, and Pastor Jones mentioned a whole bunch of other companies combined. Things that people spend money on. So the question, here's, here's, the, here's the truth. We spend money on whatever we feel is worth to spend on. Okay? If you need to kick me out, just shut me off. Do we spend more money on vacation or going someplace or hobby than we do on God? Is it more valuable? Now, listen, I'm your pastor and I love you and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to get you to really think about this. If at the end of the year you were to look back on what you invested into God's kingdom and what you invested into yourself and you invested more money into yourself than you invested into God's kingdom, that would be a sad thing. That for me personally, I can't speak for you. That would be a sad thing for me. That would show me that my heart, my treasure, and where my heart is, is not where God wants it to be. Come on, say amen with me. This is good preaching. This is the kind of stuff that jerks us a little bit, but it gets us back in line. Because listen, this, I, someone said this week, there's so many messages, but someone said, I think it was Pastor Fuentes when I was translating for him in Spanish, everything on this earth is going to fade away. I think he mentioned Petra, the, the group Petra. What else did he mention? He mentioned something else. He mentioned Petra, Hillsong, the group Hillsong, great, great group. They're going to fade. They're gonna be, they'll disappear. But the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ is never going to go anywhere. It's always going to be here. And it's going to be for eternity. Amen? Things are going to come and things are going to go. <clears throat> but the gospel message is never going to change. Amen? I'm going to close with this. There was a satanic tragedy, sorry, strategy, strategy by the devil to eliminate the gospel. He has been trying to stop the gospel for thousands of years. He tried to stop it before Jesus ever even came on the scene. Amen. He's always trying to stop the gospel. And there's a word called mammon. How many know what that means? Mammon is basically the enemy of money or the love of money. Amen. And it says... In Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. So I, like what, I like what Pastor Andrew said at the offering. We read the Bible too many times and we just read it. We don't stop to ask ourselves. How many know when you're reading the Bible, you need to, you need to apply that to yourself as you read it? it that's, you know what? If you read 10 chapters of the Bible a day, that's wonderful. But I would prefer you read one chapter and understood it and applied it to your life that day and meditated on it and lived it than to just say you read 10 chapters of the Bible. If you can read 10 and retain it all and live it and apply it, great. I'm not trying to put an amount on it, but let's not read the Bible just to say we did. Let's read it to apply it to our lives and make it alive in our lives and, uh, and use it in our lives. And the Bible says no one can serve two masters. Listen, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to believers. He's saying you can't say you love me and love this world. You can't say you love me and love things more than me. 
The rich young ruler in the Bible was asked, hey, I want, he said, what do I need to do? <clears throat> Jesus said, follow the commandments, and he said all these different things, and that, that man said, I, I've done all that. I mean, well, that's our attitude many times. I've got, I, I do that. Come on, let's be real. That's what we do. I've done that. I do that. I'm so good at that. I got that down. I fast twice a week. I pray. I'm in that prayer room. I'm doing that, man. I, I witness. We, we get that thing where I'm doing all that. How many know that no matter what you're doing, God is always going to find something you're not doing and say, I want that. Because we like to give 90. Some of us are happy with 90. 90 is good. It's better than 80. But it's not 100. So we say, I got, I got God, you got 90. And God says, yeah, I like 90, but I really want that other 10. He'll almost be like, you know what? The 90 don't even mean nothing to me. I want that one thing you don't want to give me. Right? Isn't that what God does? So after the rich young ruler had said all the stuff that he did, Jesus was, oh, that's great. That's really neat. What I really want is what you haven't done. I, really, I think you're a rich man, aren't you? Yes. I want you to go sell everything you have and come follow me. He didn't care about what he was doing. He cared about what he wasn't doing. He didn't care about what was, what was given to him out of, out of his heart. He cared about what he wasn't giving to him out of his heart because God wanted everything. And so that man, the Bible says that man turned away sad because he had great wealth. And listen, a poor a person that's poor could turn around and do the same thing. It don't even really matter how much you have. You can have a poverty mentality or be a rich person. God wants your heart. It's not about the money or the amount. It's about the heart. And it's about saying, God, if I've got it and you want it, you can have it. Because, amen, when you do what, what you can do, you're going to get what you can get. But when you do what God asks you to do, you're going to get what God can give you. Amen. It's a powerful principle in the Bible. It says, don't be, don't be anxious for these things. You know, we talked about trust, that, 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 that message a couple weeks ago about trust, just trusting God that my finances are his, my house is his, everything I own is his. Oswald Chambers said, the mammon is, watch this, the system of civilized life, okay, that means everything we do, which organizes itself without considering God. Can, can I, you need me to say that again? Am I staring at me like a cow stares at a new gate? It means anything I do of a decision about money or life and I don't take God into consideration is mammon. I'm not considering if God, God wants me to do something with this. And, and you know, we say sometimes, let's pray. Let's pray what God wants us to do. And we need to ask ourselves, do I really pray? Amen, do I really pray? There's a challenge this morning. I want to say just these last things. When we invest in the gospel, you know what you get? Besides salvation, you get wisdom. Wisdom. How many could use some more wisdom? You know, wisdom is not our thinking, it's God's. It's supernatural. It's, it's an answer on a situation where you say, God, if you, I need the answer from you. And I, I, I could ask you, I believe some of you would say, man, I, I've had God give me an answer before that I know was not me. I know it was God. Wisdom. When you invest in the kingdom of God, you get clarity in your spirit. And when, when I say invest, I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about your time, your effort, your heart, your life, your everything. Resources. I like what Pastor said this morning. I never even thought about that. He didn't say a window. He said windows. You know what that means to me? 
That means God can bless you from all kinds of different angles, all kinds of different ways. It don't have to be just what you're looking at at the moment. You're putting God first. You're, you're, you're giving him your life. And he says, I'm going to bless you from here. I'm going to bless you from there. I'm going to give you an answer over here. I'm going to give you an answer over there. When you sow and you sow and you sow, you will reap. But you don't always reap exactly where you sowed. Amen. Purpose and peace and eternal reward. I want you to write three things down as we close. I'm honestly closing. Three keys to the harvest. I'm talking to some people here this morning that want to harvest. I want to harvest. I don't want, I don't want a man-made harvest. I want a God harvest. I want a personal harvest. Yes, I'm the pastor of this church, and everything that I do has to do with this church and, this, and the kingdom of God, but I want a personal harvest. I mean, when we get to heaven, as much as we love to be together, as much as we love to fellowship, as much as we love to have other people around us, when, and we're not talking about the, the, the judgment of God to go to hell. We're talking about the, 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 the uh, judgment seat of Christ. How many know that when we stand before Jesus to get our reward, nobody else will be with us? It's going to be a personal thing. And I want a personal harvest. Amen. I want to see people in heaven because of my, my, my life given to God. I don't want to just be up there clapping and shouting for you. I don't want to be going, hey, man, good job. You did. You're such a soul winner. Man, you're, you're amazing. That's good. Praise God. You know what? When we get to heaven, the stuff we did in private is what's going to be brought out in public. The witnessing at the gas station. The witnessing at the store. You know what's going to build this church like never before? Is when we really understand the power we have individually to witness to the lost. It's not what we do in the church. It's what we do out of the church. It's taking those cards, putting them in people's hands. It's taking those tracks. We're going to order some more tracks. If you haven't gotten any of those tracks, get some tracks. That's what they're there for. If you feel like you can't speak to somebody, take a track and hand it to them. They will read them. Those things get read. They really do. They're comic book things. I don't care how old or young you are, you'll read a comic. It's got good scriptures in there and good stories. And the one called This Is Your Life is the most simple one. Have them on you. Keep them in your car. Keep them in your purse. Keep them in your wallet. Be conscious everywhere you go that you're going to pass out a flyer or a track to somebody. Those Jesus cards have the plan of salvation on the back of them. You know, there's going to be some people that you gave a Jesus card to that you're never going to see walk into this church. But you'll see them in heaven because they say, I went off somewhere else and I said the sinner's prayer and you gave me that Jesus card and I'm saved because you reached out to me. We don't know what heaven is going to do. We're not, we're not doing it for here. Praise God when they come in and we get to disciple them. Praise God when we get to baptize them. We get to see them grow. But we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for him. We're doing it for an eternal reward. And so if you want a true harvest, listen, there's three things this church needs. We need workers. We need workers. The gospel is not a, a, a thing of watching. It's not a, it's not a show. It's not an spectator sport. The gospel is work. Praise God. That was the very first thing pastor preached on Monday night. The gospel's work. Soul winning is work. And if you're working harder at your job than you're working for the Lord, you got to ask your heart, where's your heart? Come on. We need to work for the Lord. Because that job is only paying your bills. It's not going to do anything for you in heaven. Amen. The second one is, we need God's timing. I'm really challenged this week to do something, and I want to challenge you this morning to do it too. That you'd wake up every morning 
And ask God to help you remember. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I ask you to give me your timing this morning. And on that timing, I ask that you would put people in my path. That I would be at the right place at the right time. With the right person. And I'd have the right word. How many know if you ask for souls every day, God will put people in your path? If you wake up in the morning and you consciously say, Lord, I want to be a soul winner. I want to plant seeds. I want to tell people about Jesus. And you begin to just ask him for that. He'll give you timing. That means a season. There's seasons. How many know there's seasons in our life? We're coming to a season right now where the harvest is more plentiful than ever before. But the workers are fewer than ever before. We need workers. We need time. And we need money. We don't just need money. We need large money. Amen? Workers, time, and money. So you say, you know what? I need worker. I need work, time, and money for myself, too. That's good. But God needs it more. Isn't it funny how those three things are things we need? Isn't it funny how God asks us for what we need? Somebody needs to get that. That went over some people. Hopefully it'll come back around and land. We need, I need work. I need time. I need money. God says, yep, but I need it more. And if you'll give me your work, and you'll give me your time, and you'll give me your money, I'll give you all that back and some. And the joy of the Lord. And the peace of the Lord. And the happiness to know you're doing something for the kingdom of God.